Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs and advanced practice nurses with certified financial planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Hello, Sharon and listeners, and welcome to the show today. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Well, you know, we're doing great uh, in the studio, recording today, and working through some planning things that we've got coming for our audience. We're getting excited about it. Oh, we've got a lot of things coming up here real soon. And it feels a little strange. We're here on a Saturday morning, which yeah. is not that unusual. We tape on Saturdays a lot. Yep. But why don't you tell them why it feels a little strange today? Well, today, Sharon is taking my place, and she's actually doing the recording and controlling the board and watching all the levels and ironing things out because I'm trying to teach her how to do all this so that, uh, you know, one day if she wants to do it on her own, she can do this. Or, well... You already know how to do it. So this is going to be interesting. But what's interesting is on the board, he's number one, and I'm number two on the dials. And now I'm number one, and you're number two. And you know, like I told you, I kind of like it. It's a lot less responsibility for me. That so is I've true. I've kind of shifted to, you know, I'm more laid back today. Uh, yes, you are. Now, how do you like it that you can't look out the windows and I can look out the windows since I'm sitting in your seat? Oh, that doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you tell our listeners what we're talking about today? Well, you know, we've done several financial podcasts as of late, and and what we've really been talking about is is for retirees, and that is very important. But today, we're going to be talking about more the financial planning process. Um, And Sharon, that's very important. It doesn't matter if you're a new graduate or if you're 50 years old, all the way across (laughs) the spectrum. Just starting your retirement. Let's let's hope not. But but these are things that, you know, everybody needs to have a tune-up on. And really, the the title of today's show is going to be The Incomplete Financial Plan. Because so many people have certain aspects of their financial plan taken care of, but there are a lot of things in there that are incomplete and that they might not have thought about, or maybe they've thought about and they've just procrastinated on. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today. In light of of where some things are, it might be some timely information. Well, that's true. And we're starting off a, a new year. And that's the time when people think about it. Of course, you know, I understand that we're taping this in March and it still seems like a new year and <laughs> like that, a that it's a quarter, quarter of, of it. Gone. I know, I know. I, I knew what I said after I said it, but it did just seem like Christmas yesterday. Yeah. 
I don't know. It didn't to me. This, this year has been uh, a little <laughs> more longer for me. So, well, yeah. the financial crisis and <laughs> that continues, I, I know, has has affected you, affected all of us. Yeah. But anyway, let's go ahead and kick this off. And let's talk about one of, I was surprised to see this. Can you have too much cash in the bank, Jeremy? Oh, yeah, especially right now with everything that, um, you know, and I I don't think that this is a major banking crisis that's going on right now. I think there are pockets of of banks out there that um, are having some issues. um, And, you know, we've seen a a couple of defaults with SVB and then Synchrony Bank and, you know, there were some issues around those banks anyway. The larger banks, you know, they all have to go through stress tests and so forth. And, the, you know, for the most part, they're in pretty good shape. Um, it just doesn't seem like this is a, a financial bank crisis that, um, you know, we saw in 2008. And it was a completely different scenario. But here lately, we've had a lot of people talking about, you know, FDIC insurance limits. It reminds me a lot of 2008 because we had those conversations mm-hmm. back then. And, you know, I thought it would be good to just kind of talk about that because we do have some CRNA clients that keep a lot of money in cash in their banks. You know, it's all over the spectrum. So if you've got too much cash in the bank, what does that consist of? Well, FDIC insurance limits are up to $250,000. And, you know, Sharon, you said to me, who keeps $250,000 in their bank account? Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people do. Either they're scared to death um, or maybe they've gotten an inheritance and parked the money there. Um, maybe they've sold their house and are planning wow. to get a new house. Um, you I know, didn't even think about that. So yeah. should you put it in two separate banks? <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's one of the things. So FDIC insurance limit covers up to two fifty per account title. So I'll give you an example, Sharon. So if you had money in the bank and you had two hundred fifty thousand dollars in your name, you're covered. If you had $250,000 in a joint account with you and Pierce, you're covered. Okay. If Pierce had $250,000, he's covered for two fifty. So in that scenario, you've got you know a lot of coverage in different titles of accounts. If you had a money market account with $250,000 and a checking account with $250,000 at the same bank, it's the same title. So you still have only $250,000 in coverage. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does make sense. And now that you talk about the fact that people could have that much money whenever my daddy died. Yeah. I never thought about it. But, you know, my daddy was a redneck, but he was a smart redneck. And you know what? All of it was in different places. Ah. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, a lot of old school people did that. You know, they went to different banks and so forth. And you can do that. Um, and you're spreading out you Your know, risk. the diversification and the risk in that scenario. Yeah. Um, so that's just a hot topic. I thought we would hit on it today because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's interesting for people to know that. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of information out there about FDIC right now. And if that's a concern for you, I'd implore you to research that. Talk to your bank. Um, You know, I I had a conversation. I mean, I I don't bank with a regular bank. I have a credit union. But I did have a conversation with them about, you know, how their liquidity was and, you know, where they've got their money invested and so forth last week just because – I felt like I needed to know that in mm-hmm. light of, you know, the things that have gone on. So it's not a bad thing to call your bank and try to get some of that information from them. I would never think of that. Yeah. Honestly. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. 
everybody's got to have a purpose. So let's talk about the emergency reserve fund. Yeah, and that's that's something else that um, you know people get really confused on. Um, you know, we've had a little bit of talk about that. Um, I implore people to keep three to six months expenses liquid. Uh, some people will say three to six months of your gross income. Um, either way, but you know that's for life's what if. Um, you know, what if the air condition system goes out and I've got to have ten grand to fix it? What if uh, you know I need a thousand dollars worth of work done on my car? And and you don't think about that, but so many people live paycheck to paycheck, including CRNAs. Mm-hmm. You know, they make really good money, but a lot of them spend a lot of money. Well, in the beginning. I- I can remember still living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we've got some younger CRNAs starting out with a lot of student loan debt and maybe some credit card debt. And, you know, they purchased the house. And, you know, right now the market for CRNAs is great. The money is great. But as we know, the CRNA industry is very cyclical. Um, It can go up and down. Um, Things can change. Reimbursement rates can go down. I don't know whether you saw that from Cigna. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so things can change very quickly. So being prepared for those changes. But everyone should have an emergency reserve fund. Um, You know, you you typically are not going to need $100,000, $200,000 sitting in cash. But... You know, if the average CRNA is making fifteen grand a month, you know, working W two, making one hundred eighty thousand, yeah, forty fifty thousand dollars in cash would be probably appropriate. And when you say liquid, you mean liquid or easily Uh, able to access with not a lot of risk at all. Okay. Okay. Without Um, the downside. Right. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is have it invested. The market goes down. You need it. You've got to sell it. it. You know. To, and that's kind of what happened with that SVB bank. You know, they had a run on the bank. They had stuff invested. Uh, the bond market uh, had dropped the price of those bonds. They had to sell, took a loss, and it caused the bank to shut down. Okay. Yeah. So that was the whole one of the... The whole premises, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that and they didn't have a lot of sticky customers like us. They had big Silicon Valley companies and lots of money. And when those guys came wanting their money, they had to do something to give it to them. So. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. All right. Another part of the plan is disability insurance. It is. It is. And, you know, a lot of people never want to think about this. One, they, they don't want to think about dying. They don't want to think about becoming disabled. But... They'll insure their car. Right. They'll insure their house. Mm-hmm. What pays for all that? Working. <laughs> Working. You are, and you know, I hope no one I'm takes this asset. offensive. You are. <laughs> I hope no one takes this as an, an offense, but you're the goose that laid the golden egg. And laid and laid and laid the golden egg. <laughs> Every morning at 4 o'clock, you know, 5 o'clock. Um, but disability insurance is important. Making sure that you've reviewed that, you understand the parameters. If you're a W-2 CRNA, making sure you understand what you have at work. What are the parameters? 
Um, you know, what do they actually cover? How long am I going to get paid if I'm out? Uh, you know, God forbid something happen and you're out forever or out for a year or even out for six months. Are you covered? And by the way, most disability policies at work um, are either paid for by the employer or subsidized by the employer. And they take a tax deduction for paying that premium. So that means if you've got 67%, which is what most people have, 60 to 67, of your pre-income, and that's not overtime, that's just base usually, that amount when it comes to you is going to be taxable because they wrote it off and took a tax deduction for it. So your disability that you receive which usually is a 90-day waiting period. Most of Can them, be, unless you've got short-term as yes, well. Yes, yes. The, you get taxed on it because they took the tax deduction. Yeah, they paid for it, and they deducted it off. So therefore, you know, 67% of your base salary, now you pay taxes on that at 20 or 30%. You know, you're really going to be left with probably less than 50% of what you would typically get. Mm-hmm. Um, can you live off of that? You need to understand that. That's part yeah. of the plan. So what about pregnancy? I mean, do they now qualify that as a disability? Say you're put out of work early for whatever reason? Depends on the company. It depends on the policies. Uh, some do. Some don't. So um, uh, I'm hearing you say to the younger CRNAs who may be looking at parenthood in the future, you need to check out that policy. Check it out. You know, what if you're bedridden, um, something, something goes wrong and, you know, you've got to be in bed for 12 weeks, um, to take care of that baby, you know, make sure you understand what you've got. Well, it could be wrapped up. I'm trying to think back whenever I was pregnant with Brett because I was an ICU nurse. It seems they put me out early, but it seems like I used part of my maternity leave. Yeah. And some places have that paid and some places don't have it paid. Wow. It's been so so long ago, I can't really remember. And, and you know, it implores them to understand that and possibly look at other options, you know, uh, other sources of disability outside of group. Um, You know, the ANA has policies out there. um, Which I used for a very long time. Yeah. And then there's other options, you know, for folks that that specialize in CRNAs, such as our friend Robert Mm -hmm. Smith, who does disability and does a great job for thousands of CRNAs across the country. And makes it occupation Um, specific. Making sure that you, you don't have to go back and fold towels or do something like that, that you can, you know, if you can't do the substantial material duties of being a CRNA, you don't have to go do something else. And that's very, very important. So looking at that and disability, and again, it's just one of those things that we see as a whole in, in a lot of people's financial plan because they haven't thought about it. Right. Okay. Let's talk about life insurance. Yes. Life insurance. Again, who's life insurance for? The people who are left behind. That's right. It's not for you. It's for the people left behind. Some people can purchase this at work. Uh, some people can purchase it outside of work. Um, how much do you need is the real question that we typically get. Um, and, and that varies, obviously, by your situation, children, debt. Well, you would think um, as you get older, you'd need less. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, and but I would say most people do. Because you've got less outstanding debt that would have to be covered by the, if the goose is gone. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. And hopefully you've done a good job planning for retirement that, you know, if something were to happen to you, you, your spouse or whoever's left will be taken care of in the event that, you know, you did pass away. 
So most people need more insurance in their their peak earning years. They've got and young it's children. Cheaper. It is cheaper. Um, you know, and people always ask. I, you know, and I and I generalize here. For most people, okay. Term insurance is probably what you need. It's your cheapest option. It's my analogy to renting an okay. apartment. Um, it's good for a term in your life. If you die, the money gets paid out. If you don't, then it's they gone. just keep, you know, it's kind of like your car insurance. They just keep the money. Okay. And then there's more permanent type insurance, whole life, universal life, variable universal life. And those build cash value. They're typically more expensive. You know, again, this isn't an insurance podcast, but but it, it just gives you kind of some basis. But I would say, in generalities, most people buy the term insurance, put a Band-Aid on the problem, because they've got so many other things that they need to be thinking about. You know, you don't want to spend all your money on insurance. you got disability, you got life insurance, you got to save for your children's education, you got to save for retirement, you got to build your emergency reserve fund. I mean, this can be overwhelming. So I would say for most people, buy that 15, 20-year, maybe even 30-year level term, pay your premium, and do the rest of your plan around that. You know, I can remember when I was growing up, you knew your insurance salesman, and he came to your house to collect the premiums once a month. Wow. And I I can't remember his name. I can still see him. And of course, whenever he came, he'd stay and eat supper. So, <laughs> and, and he was he was great. But every hmm. month he would come to collect premiums. And I guess it was uh, some kind of life insurance that he came. Hmm. I don't remember. Interestingly enough, whenever my dad died, my sister said, well, how much life insurance did daddy have? Huh. I said, $15,000. You could see her face fall. <laughs> but, you know, then they only had enough insurance to bury them, bury them right. with. That's right. it. Because yeah. you were supposed to have everything paid for, everything done, and yep. which in his case, it was. Right. Um, so he didn't believe in anything like that. Just a little bit of life insurance, and yeah. that was it. Just enough and, to you know, I mean, after doing this for so many years, you know, the majority of our clients don't want to leave their kids wealthy. Mm-hmm. If they want to take care of themselves, sure, take care of their spouse, significant other, and if there's something left, great, it should go to the kids. But if there's not, they're okay with that for the most part. Hmm. So, you know, yeah, okay. Hello everyone, Jeremy here. Beyond the Mask is sponsoring a team for Halos again this year. Halos is an organization that offered support when Sharon lost her grandchild, Emma, two years ago. Halos is a nonprofit that provides emotional and financial support to bereaved parents who have lost a child from miscarriage through age 20. It's run by parents who have lost a child themselves and want to be there for those parents that need love and support or someone who truly understands what they're going through. The only means of support for Halos is through fundraisers and personal donations. Their largest fundraiser is a walkathon, which will take place on August the 6th. Sharon will be emceeing the event. Please consider joining us and donating by going to the show notes to look for the link or by going to the Beyond the Mask Facebook page. Thank you for your consideration. You can find out more information about the 2023 Halos Walk and donate by clicking on the link in the show notes of today's episode on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. 13th Annual Memorial Walk takes place in New Richmond, Wisconsin on August 5th. All right, so let's talk about... Oh, God, I hate this topic. Oh, 
You knew I was going to say tracking cash flow. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's like a bad word for most people, especially the more money you make. The more money you spend. The more you spend and the less tracking you do. That is true. Um, and that's for true for everybody. Um, you know, tracking cash flow is important, not only because it tells you where your money is going and where you're spending money, but it's also important because as you get older, you get closer to retirement. If you spent 20 or 30 years never looking at this, in retirement, you have a finite amount of income, maybe from Social Security, maybe from your investments, your IRAs. In other words, not working one shift to get what you want. Correct. And this becomes really, really a big problem for people to try to project out what they're going to use in retirement. But even along the way, um, if, if you don't know what you're spending every month or where you're spending, and, you know, everybody doesn't have to be extremely anal about this. You know, maybe you look at this every three months or every six months. Then you sit down with your spouse, significant other, and say, hey, where are we spending their money? Um, it's easy nowadays. There's all kinds of tools out there to do it that can track your spending for you. Mint.com is one of those. Um, we have a lot of clients use that, Quicken. And, but it's very, very important to know where you're spending money to get a handle on that cash flow. And it's a simplistic process, Sharon. It's just what's well, coming in. And what's going out. I get it. Easy subtraction. But people are so inundated with life and other things, they don't pay attention now, to Pierce it. Now, Pierce tracks all of that. One time he said, do you know you went to Walmart 19 times last month? Well, that's easy to do now. You know, we have that Walmart Plus. Oh, Sharon, they deliver our groceries no to way. us. I don't oh, yeah. do that. <laughs> 90, 90 bucks a year, I think it is. And, you know, from our house to the Walmart, it's probably yeah. 11, 12 miles each right, way. Right, They'll deliver our groceries. Sarah orders them online. They drop them off at my front porch. You got to, you know, you tip them. But, hey, That's, saves an hour plus yeah. shopping time That's true. for us. I mean, it's very well worth it. And um, Well, that's like Amazon. Oh, exactly. You know, convenience. I will even order mascara on Amazon so it's delivered to the door and yeah. and. My dad go. used to give me a fit because all the Amazon packages coming whenever I was yeah. living there with him. And I said, Daddy, you don't understand how much money it saves me. Now, how can buying something save you money? I said, Daddy, because if I go in Walgreens, I never come out without spending $50. Somehow I figure out there is something I else I needed whenever I see it. Impulse and this buyer. way, yeah. Um, and if I've had a bad day, it makes me feel better. <laughs> There you go. Uh, retail therapy. Retail therapy. Um, so I get my mascara and I stay out of the store. So yeah. it really, really behooves me to use Amazon. I digress. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's an easy way to spend and not trackable. The thing with Amazon is you get your credit card bill at the end of the month and all it says is Amazon. It does. It doesn't it say does. mascara or anything like that. So then you've got to really know what you spend it on. It well, makes it tougher. Well, you know, you can print off invoices. So my different businesses that yeah. I have, I'll go back in and I'll sit down and go through everything and print off my invoices so that I know which business this i bought yeah. for for tax purposes right. but it is a little bit time consuming well yep. let's talk about something that's probably foremost on all the younger crna's minds and that's paying off college debt and you have a wonderful uh formula or 
technique for helping them do this that I love. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not just college debt. We're gonna we're gonna talk on that. It's any kind of debt. True. Okay. And and when you look at and not necessarily college, maybe it's anesthesia school. I mean, you know, going back to to get your doctorate or you mean going to Yale? Going to Yale. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a big problem. When we see SRNAs graduating nowadays. Um, usually, it's over two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Okay, well, um, I did 120 at Yale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not that it's not worth it, but it's a lot of money. Um, and, and debt is debt. I mean, this is mm-hmm. good debt because you know, obviously, you're going to make a lot of money from going back to school and being a CRNA more than you would have made as an RN. So I think it's good debt, but I think it's also good for people to realize that the sooner you pay that off the better. And I'm going to illustrate that in a minute. And it's true for credit cards um, or, or any kind of debt. And, and, you know, people get into the weeds about, you know, housing debt. And some people want to pay it off. Some people don't. But let me just give you an example, Sharon. So let's say you had $200,000 in student loan debt. What do you think the repayment period on a student loan is usually 10 years. Now, you can extend that out to 20 or 30. But let's say you had $200,000 in student loan debt. How much do you think you're going to pay a month in a repayment period of 10 years? Hmm. Probably at least 1200 a month. $2,170. A month? A month. Oh, my. To pay it back Lord. over 10 years. Wow. That's yes. a house payment. Yes. Now, if you spread it out to 20 years, it drops to 1375 a month. Okay. Wow. So that's for 20 years. So here's what I really want to illustrate to you and our listeners is that every kind of debt has an opportunity cost. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, because if you're paying yes. $2,170 a month or $1,375 a month, what could you have done with that money? Mm-hmm. Invested it. You could have invested it. You could have taken more vacations. Mm-hmm. You, you could have bought a rental property. Um, you could have done a lot of different things with that money, right? Wow. So now let's say, and then, you know, what I assume for student loan there is it's five and a half percent interest rate. Okay. Just, just for round numbers. What if you would have taken that same amount of money? All right. We'll go back to the, the 10 years, $2,170 a month. And you'd earned five and a half percent on that for 10 years. What do you think it'd be worth at the end of 10 years? Okay. Well, we know you at, 7% 7% you would double, right? No, is that right? <laughs> Rule of 72. 72. Okay, yeah. there you go. So 10 years, it would double every 7.2 years. Okay. So I'm going to take you off the hook here. Okay, um, thank you. So in 10 years. You know my eyes are glazing over. That is $346,000. So that $200,000 in debt really cost you, the opportunity cost was $346,000. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Let's say you spread it out over 20 years and you paid thirteen seventy-five a month. Remember that was right. our 20 year? Same thing. 20 years, thirteen seventy-five a month at five and a half percent. What do you think you'd have? Let's say even double that. Five hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollars. Okay. Well, I wasn't far off. So there's your opportunity cost. And it doesn't matter if it's student loan debt or if it's credit card debt or any other kind of debt. There's an opportunity cost to that debt. Now, you know, what we typically ask students and and new CRNAs or even CRNAs that are transitioning to 1099 and want to get their debt paid off is at least one shift a month Mm -hmm. extra to pay that debt off. 
Um, one shift a month, $1,500. If you want to do more than that, um, you can definitely do it. But to pay that down, because we really like for SRNAs and CRNAs, uh, I guess there were SRNAs, now they're CRNAs, to get that debt paid off within three to four years. Yeah. I mean, that's what y'all advised Grant to do, my yeah. son-in-law, and he did that. Absolutely. And then after that... They had a big party. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they it's, paid it's, off Shelley's law school loans, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean they're savers, and you know they're gonna they're gonna do very well yes. financially. And uh, but I will tell you, as I've said to other SRNAs, your ROI is so much better because my daughter had just as much debt yeah. from law school, and she came out making thirty nine thousand dollars a year working in the public defender's office. That's a big difference for ROI. So, in one regard, I have very little sympathy. We're listening to them whine about it. Yeah. Um, you know, things have definitely changed. Whenever I went to school, they told you at the school before you ever even considered going, you live on one salary if, if you're married for two years and you save their money, your money. And so that's exactly what Pierce and I did. I took yeah. out $5,000 of student loans whenever I went to school. And we took out a little second mortgage that was $20,000 where we lived. So that was $25,000. But we lived on one salary. But for two years before we went, we saved every single penny that I made for two years. Wow. And that's how we got through anesthesia school. Attention, Beyond the Mask listeners. We need your help. We truly appreciate you tuning in as we peel back the layers of the CRNA and APRN industries, sharing the stories that lie beyond the mask. It's your support that makes our community strong and our podcast possible. We're excited to share that Beyond the Mask has been recognized in the 18th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. We're nominated in two prestigious categories, the coveted People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. Our podcast isn't just about the stories we tell. It's about the connections we create with you, our listeners. And now we need your help to continue that mission. We're asking you to vote for us, please, in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Again, for the People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. Your vote not only helps us win, but also spreads the word about our mission to demystify our corner of the healthcare industry one story at a time. To cast your vote, simply click on the link that's in the episode description. Voting closes on July 31st, so don't delay. We also encourage you to share this with your family, your friends, and your colleagues. Every vote counts, and we appreciate greatly your support. Thank you for being part of our journey and for making Beyond the Mask more than just a podcast. Here's to bringing more stories out of the shadows and into the light. So don't forget, vote for Beyond the Mask for the People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. All right. Well, let's talk about everybody's favorite subject, taxes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, you need to be planning for increased taxes in the future. Um, oh, God. People think that we're paying a lot in tax now. We're actually in a very low tax environment currently. Yes, we are. But let's just look out. Social Security's got problems. Medicare's got problems. We have a massive amount of debt to pay off. The, the writing's on the wall. Taxes have to go up. There's mm -hmm. no way around it. 
And you need to be planning for that. You know, when people are making decisions about their retirement contributions, should they do pre-tax or should they do Roth? Um, what's it going to be like when I retire? Um, am I going to be in a lower tax environment or a higher tax environment? And these are things you need to be thinking about in your plan that your average person's not really looking at. I mean, we're mostly living for the day, mm-hmm. get through this day, pay our bills, and do the things we enjoy doing. But this is going to be an important topic. I don't know whether you saw the the budget that President Biden rolled out, but there were some massive tax increases in his budget. And I don't think that's going to get passed by any means, um, not with you know a split Congress right now, but it's out there. Eventually, somebody is going to have to increase taxes. And by default, they're going to increase after 2025 anyway, because the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2018 sunsets in 2025, unless they renew it. I'm not sure in this environment they're going to, but Paying attention to taxes and how much you pay is increasingly important. And are there ways that you can cut back on your taxes? What are things you can do? And, um, you know, it's a complicated subject, but you need to be looking at that as you are doing your financial planning, especially for savings, saving for retirement. You know, those things, it, it makes a difference moving forward. All right, let's talk about medical costs. Even though when you're young, you just, you truly don't think about this. Yeah, I mean, those costs are increasing faster than inflation. Um, and, and that's a big problem. You know, right now, medical is over 20% of our gross domestic product in the United States. Um, we know there's an issue there. Eventually, it's going to have to be dealt with. We're not sure how that's going to be. I mean, the Affordable Care Act was supposed to help with some of this. Um, we've all seen our premiums go up. Substantially. Substantially. And you're also seeing, you know, medical costs in general going up, drug costs going up. It's a huge problem and a huge issue. And not only that, and I hope people don't take this in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. but I also think the quality of care has gone down. Um, in our medical system. Well, it's there's a lot of reasons around that. I mean, Absolutely. Nurses are exhausted, right. and we have a crisis with caregivers. Right. And I firmly believe that's one of the reasons. And even though we are working very hard to try and integrate care, I see it becoming more and more fragmented. Yeah. Because it's, we were just talking about this at work, yesterday because used to if you were put in the hospital your physician that you had still cared for you there now they have hospitalists this is a person who does not know who you are right knows nothing about you and is just seeing you for episodic care yeah i mean you go to your doctor's office see your doctor you see the pa um, Which is nothing it? wrong with that. Nothing wrong nothing with that at wrong all. We're a nurse that. practitioner. But there is just such disjointed care. When Helen was in the hospital a year ago, I signed her out AMA <laughs> because yeah. it was ridiculous. They're sending her down for a gallbladder study. And I said, okay, why did you do that? We were out of town. And mm. I get get finally get hold of the hospitalist. He said, well... When I pushed on her there, she hurts. You push her on, I push on her anywhere, she hurts. <laughs> and what do you think's going to happen if she needed her gallbladder out? She's ninety. She's going to die with her gallbladder. Yeah. We're not going to get her gallbladder removed. Right. Why did you send her for a study? Her hospital bill was thirty nine thousand dollars. Wow. 
but because she is a state employee and on Medicare, her copay was six hundred dollars. Wow, that's that's amazing. You know, but, I digress. So but, sorry, but people, you know, you should be looking at these if you qualify to do health savings account, medical yes. savings accounts. What um, are the limits on those? Uh, you know, I'm off top of your head. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. Five hundred on an HSA if you're single. I think it's eighty-seven because I do the max. Okay. For a, for a family. For a family, what it is. Yeah. Um, I, for Pierce and I, because I, yeah. you know, yeah. he told me I better max it out. So yeah. I do, and it's actually a savings vehicle. Right. Absolutely. That's what it is, and you get a tax deduction for it. So planning for those type of things. You know, uh, the average retiree is going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. on health care once they retire. Um, you know, that cost is not being covered as much by insurance companies. Medicare is not covering as much. It's being pushed down to the consumer level. And if you've got funds to pay for it, you're going to have to do that. So planning for that along the way is, is something else that you need to be looking at. So pulling this all together, Jeremy, any last words you would like to leave our listeners well, I just think that this is an important topic for, you know, the, the young CRNA out there all the way up to the CRNA who's contemplating retirement, um, you know, because all these things matter. Um, they're things that need to be paid attention to. Um, and to have a complete financial plan, you've got to incorporate all these things. So we didn't talk about everything today. I mean, we didn't talk about investing and retirement planning and all that stuff. But this is, these are some of the, what I call the basics, okay? Well, it's nice to have reminders. You think you've you've covered all the bases and then you listen to this and you go, oh my God, you know what? I need to turn around and I need to take a look at my emergency fund. Am yeah. I where I need to be? Right. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't talk about things such as having a will, which everyone should have a will and, you know, doing some basic financial planning concepts. But I think this is a good, like you said, reminder uh, for CRNAs out there who maybe don't have their complete financial house in order. Maybe they've paid attention to several of these things, but they've let a few things slide. Um, this is a good reminder to say, hey, I really need to think about that. Hmm. So Well, thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. It's absolutely. always nice to have you as a guest on the Beyond the Mass podcast. <laughs> <laughs> always nice to be here. <laughs> well, I'll let you wrap us up, Jeremy. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. <laughs> I think so. Sharon, if they like our show and want to know more about us or they want to help us grow, how could they do that? Well, the best way to help us to grow is to leave us a review but make it positive as we all know there's way too much negativity in this there world sure is we're in the top 50 medical podcast in the country on the way to number number one just like we are in the crna community and thank you to all of our listeners for making us number one in the crna community if you have a topic you would like to listen to just send us a message we'd be happy to get you on the air or whoever you recommend on the air absolutely till next time it's a wrap Attention, Beyond the Mask listeners, we need your help. We truly appreciate you tuning in as we peel back the layers of the CRNA and APRN industries, sharing the stories that lie beyond the mask. It's your support that makes our community strong and our podcast possible. We're excited to share that Beyond the Mask has been recognized in the 18th annual 
People's Choice Podcast Awards. We're nominated in two prestigious categories, the coveted People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. Our podcast isn't just about the stories we tell. It's about the connections we create with you, our listeners. And now we need your help to continue that mission. We're asking you to vote for us, please, in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Again, for the People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. Your vote not only helps us win, but also spreads the word about our mission to demystify our corner of the healthcare industry one story at a time. To cast your vote, simply click on the link that's in the episode description. Voting closes on July 31st, so don't delay. We also encourage you to share this with your family, your friends, and your colleagues. Every vote counts, and we appreciate greatly your support. Thank you for being part of our journey and for making Beyond the Mask more than just a podcast. Here's to bringing more stories out of the shadows and into the light. So don't forget, vote for Beyond the Mask for the People's Choice Award and Best Healthcare Podcast. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.